whatever your kids are interested in, let them lead the way, make it fun, make it engaging, and add a little bit of a sustainability component to it. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. Today I bring you my third conversation with author and fellow podcaster Stephanie Safarian. Stephanie hosts the Sustainable Minimalist podcast and speaks on topics such as sustainability, zero waste living, decluttering, parenting, and conscious consumerism. Today, she's here to talk about engaging our children in sustainable practices. We talk about practical activities for kids. We also address skepticism and fear around sustainable living. We talk about practical ways you can implement sustainability in daily life, alternative gift ideas, and how to encourage our children's interest in sustainability. It's a short and sweet episode, but I'm sure you'll walk away having learned something new. And with that, let's get into this conversation with Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, thanks again for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me, Diane. So excited to see you again. Talk to you. I love it. Before we get into the conversation, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself for listeners that may not have heard those past two episodes, but I'll be sure to link those in the show notes. My name is Stephanie Safarian. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. I am also the author of a nonfiction book by the same name, Sustainable Minimalism. I live outside of Boston, where it is really darn cold right now with my two daughters, my husband. And yeah, I'm just a mom trying to live a minimalist life that is easy on the planet. Well, we're going to be talking about how we can get our kids more engaged with sustainability. I think for maybe just the average listener, how do we even begin that conversation with our kids? Yeah. So I want to say first and foremost, to all the minimalists listening, step one is to not do anything different. Minimalism, a minimalist lifestyle, a minimalist home that already provides the perfect backdrop for talking about sustainability with our kids. Because if we're not buying, let's say, like the cheap plastic junk, because you don't want the clutter, that simple choice to keep the cheap plastic junk culture out of your home, that can pivot so easily into a conversation about how that plastic pop it, how it's made from fossil fuels. And fossil fuels are a non-renewable resource that's pulled from the earth. And when we burn the fossil fuel, like crude oil, to create the pop it, the burning of the fossil fuel warms up our atmosphere, enter global warming. So I want to say that for the minimalist living, all you have to do, step one, instead of adding something onto your plate, like, oh, now I got to teach my kids about sustainability too. Just do what you're already doing and connect your minimalist efforts to issues surrounding the planet and climate change. It's almost effortless. I also think too, like explaining the why behind why we don't buy plastic poppets, let's say, or plastic junk or those trinkets. Yes, we stay away from them because of the clutter issue, but We also stay away from these junk culture items, right? Because we care about the planet and we care about the animals and we care about our neighbors. We care about other people. So doing what we're already doing and connecting it to the planetary piece, I think is step one. And step one just happens to be effortless. 
And I will say there are areas of sustainable living that I'm stronger in. And I want to say to people listening, maybe they don't believe in some of the things that you and I believe, or they aren't that sustainable. I think that some of these practical tips you're going to share today are just healthy habits to cultivate for reducing just waste in general, just not to be so wasteful to prioritize quality over quantity. I know a lot of people like to go to the store five below or the dollar store, and maybe there's a place for that. But I think if we're consistently buying these things that just break or end up in the landfill, it just is wasteful of our funds. Maybe it's a generational thing, but I think that I have a lot of family members that this conversation they might roll their eyes at. They might be like, oh, we don't need to worry about that. Like it's all just conspiracy or it's not that big of a deal. The earth is always changing and evolving. So I always come at it from like a Christian perspective too, where I feel like if you are someone that says you believe in any type of faith, that we are given this world to take care of. And so that's a huge motivator for me too. But I don't know, do you have any thoughts with skepticism or just like how we can make this applicable if you pick someone off the street that they would want to listen to this? I mean, I guess I would say to any skeptics who are listening, I would just say that being wasteful isn't a quality that any human being aspires to. We don't say I'm kind, I'm creative, and I'm wasteful. Like nobody wants to be wasteful. And so wastefulness is something that whoever you are, whatever you believe in, we should actively be trying to step away from. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I want to talk about engaging activities that parents could do with their children to introduce them to the concept of sustainability. Again, you said if we're already pursuing a minimalist lifestyle or a life where we're prioritizing just not being wasteful, but what have you done with your kids to get them more actively engaged with sustainability? Well, so for me as a minimalist, I try to almost never buy new things. Step one would be, of course, go to your library, get some books. There are so many great books that are tailored to your child age to discuss issues about sustainability. You choose the issue, there's a book for it. I just read one with my six-year-old last night about what happens to a plastic straw after we use it that one time. If you care about gardening, if you care about bees, there's a book for it. So head to your library, borrow a book, ask your librarian, and then you know read it with your child and chat about it. I think that's step two and no money wasted using your community resources. And hopefully you can have some inspiring conversations with your child after you read. One thing that's been really helpful to me, my daughter really wanted a Toy Story doll of Bo Peep. And we were at Target. She's like, let me just look at it. And I told her, hold on, let's just check Facebook Marketplace because you may be able to save some of the money that you have saved up for this. Let's check and see if there's a more, again, sustainable, but also a more thrifty way to purchase this thing that's already out existing, but we don't have to buy it from the store. And so we were able to do that. So I think even just introducing them to the idea of secondhand and being thrifty and being resourceful is really important. Again, just even from a frugality standpoint. But I think another really big thing for us, we love to be outside. And I think getting your kids outside, experiencing nature, it just, I don't know, it just opens a door of wanting to preserve the land because they're engaged in nature. I think it's easier to be dismissive and or just like turning your back to it when you're not regularly experiencing it. Yeah. So just to go back to what you said about buying this doll secondhand, I know for a lot of people, finances are tight, right? So if you are acquiring things 
secondhand, maybe you're going to your local buy nothing group to find that doll or snow pants or whatever, or maybe you're purchasing it on Facebook Marketplace. There's just like a one added step there. And then you've incorporated sustainability, which is explaining the why. So you could say money's tight and I need to buy these snow pants for a little bit less than Target selling them. And also, when we take something secondhand that another family no longer has used for, but we can use it, we're keeping it out of landfills. And that is a great way to help the planet. It's really just that simple, connecting it to the why. You mentioned also going outside. I totally agree. Like I live outside of Boston. It's so cold. But a thing that we do in my family is we go outside in all weather, we're outside as much as possible. I mean, it's like three degrees here today. So in the efforts of safety, maybe not today. But if we want kids to care about the natural environment, we need to show them why it matters. And so even when it's precipitating, we still need to get outside. And for me, like, I'll be honest, like, I don't love winter. It's not my favorite season. But I do believe that we need to find things that we love about every season outdoors. Because otherwise, at least for me, winter is like half the year here. So does that mean putting on our snowshoes as a family and going for a hike? We're big skiers, getting outside and then making observations observations about what we're seeing. Like we've had a string of an amazing sunrises. So I walk the kids to the bus stop and the sun is coming up, like making observations about the ways that the pink and orange sunrise is hitting the snow. We can combine that with a Christian-based statement about how beautiful this world is that God has given us and we need to take care of it. And so just doing what we're already doing and adding in a little bit of conversation is really the special sauce there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's my perception that there is a sect of people that care about sustainability in the planet that are using more fear-based methods to scare our kids. And I want to give them an opportunity to not be so afraid, but to see that there is an opportunity here to, again, protect. And I don't think fear is ever a good motivator. People will be like, the world's going to end in 10 years. Maybe the world might look slightly different, but also if the world is going to end in 10 years, I don't need to put that on my children. I need to just allow them to take the parts that they can play. And then I can hold that information as a grown up. So how do you strike a balance of encouraging kids without going down that path? Certainly, I would never tell anybody that the world is ending in 10 years because the science doesn't back that up. So for people using fear-based tactics that are just coming out of thin air, I would suggest to them to, again, read science first. I would also suggest for parents listening, they don't want to scare their kids. A common phrase that I say in my household is, yes, our planet is facing some challenges, but the good news is there are a lot of really smart people working on it. That's a great place to start. So pivot it and make it positive. And if the planet and saving it and helping it and helping the bees is something that matters to you, like that's a career path that we can work towards for you if that interests you. I think the doom and gloom talk has no place in a child's childhood. And so I definitely agree with you on that point it's just hard to not attach our emotions to this thing that we're so passionate about. 
we are missing people because of the way that we're communicating. So that's why I do think it's so important to just, I don't want to say dumb it down, but make this topic accessible to people. And like you said, we are already behaving in a lot of these ways. So maybe just take convenience out of it of, oh, I'm going to go to Target and buy my daughter this toy. And it's like, okay, that's convenient for me. But what is one more step to, again, save money and to be sustainable if that's something that you're curious of getting your feet wet with? I totally agree. And I would just say to the passion and the apocalyptic statements that you may hear and may be referring to. I don't agree with them. I don't think it has any place in a childhood, like I said. I also just want to say, though, that the people making them, it's almost always, if you get to the bottom of it all, it's a fear for our children, right? So it's based in like a fear of wanting our children to be able to grow up and fully self-actualize. In any of those situations, I think if we can get rid of the apocalyptic talk and just get to the fact that we all want, we're all united in wanting to have an inhabitable planet for our children to thrive on. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yes, absolutely. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. 
looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Are you tired of clothing that wears down after just a few uses? Well, look no further than Caden Lane's Bamboo Pajamas. With innovative features like roll-down ankles, they're designed to grow with your little one, saving you money on constant replacements. I'm loving these pajamas for my growing four-year-old. Founded in 2005 by a single mom with a vision for better, cuter children's clothing, Caden Lane is dedicated to making moms' lives easier. From their Color Me pajamas that turn bedtime into a fun adventure to outfits with hidden zips and snaps for hassle-free dressing, every detail is crafted with care. And if you're already dreaming of summer days, Caden Lane's swim collection has you covered. Plus, with matching swimsuits for the whole family, you can make a splash in style. Even if you don't have a baby or toddler, these swimsuits make perfect gifts. I'm gifting my sister-in-law matching suits for summer, and I've already received the package, and the quality is wonderful. I can't wait to see how they look at the pool this summer. Caden Lane is your one-stop shop for all your newborn, infant, and toddler apparel. Head to cadenlane.com minimalist and use code minimalist for 20% off your order. Once again, that's C-A-D-E-N-L-A-N-E dot com backslash minimalist for 20% off and make sure you use my promo code minimalist so they know that I sent you. Just curious about a few other practicals that you're doing in your household and implementing. How old are your kids again? Six and nine. Okay. So they're able to help out a lot more than maybe my four-year-old. But even I think the four-year-old is adaptable with some of these topics. So what does it actually look like in the day-to-day, a week-to-week of how your kids are being more hands-on and they're helping you be more sustainable as a family? So my kids have chores. They're quite simple. They're tailored to their age. My six-year-old, one of her chores is to set the table for dinner. And just actually last week, she was setting the table and she said something like, mom, why do we use cloth napkins? And we actually don't even use cloth napkins. We use rags, but that's a whole nother story. And so that opened up, like her curiosity opened up a topic about why in our family we do the best we can without killing ourselves to step away from the single-use disposables. The paper products in particular, you know, there's deforestation concerns with that. I don't think anybody would argue that cutting down trees to make a single-use product, I mean, we all do it, certainly. It's what we do as a culture. However, we choose not to because we care about forests and we care about trees. And so that opened up a whole nother conversation about what's a single use product, what's a reusable, why do we use reusables? The key here was I really tried to ask her, do you think that when we use a reusable, it works worse than a single use item? or the same or better. And she said, I think it's about the same. I think using a cloth napkin as opposed to a paper napkin, there's no difference in its wiping capabilities. And so I really wanted her to come to that conclusion on her own. I did not want to be the one saying we use reusables because they're better, better, better for this, better for you, better for the planet. I wanted her to come to that on her own. And I think she did. So taking what I do and letting them lead the conversation, letting them and their questions and their curiosity open up more conversations as they become more interested and more developmentally ready. Yeah. Is there something that you're trying to get your kids on board with that has just maybe struggled to work out? Yeah, I would say 
the junk culture, the plastic junk. <laughs> I mean, the minimalists listening, they know too. Like you go to a birthday party, you try to sneak out without the goodie bag. It's impossible. And then this stuff comes in and then it clutters up the house and they play with it for five seconds and they like weirdly love the stuff, even though they know it's junk. I'm really struggling with how to break out of that pattern of, I mean, I don't buy it, but I still get it in my house. <laughs> And the kids want it. That's a balancing act between letting them be children and be happy with all their trinkets versus me having moral issues with these single-use plastic problems. I had a, I think her name was Stephanie Miller, and she wrote something about 80-20 sustainability. I've had a few episodes on sustainable living. Someone said, if you're going to do the gift bags at birthdays, maybe this is a word of encouragement to the women listening. Hey, that's okay to want to do that for your children because we want to create these experiences for our kids and we want them to feel special and we're not trying to take things from their childhood, but maybe use a consumable in a gifty way. Go to Pinterest, Google it. There are things that you can gift in those ways or just don't do it because you're not the first person that has said that. I feel the same way. Most of my friends feel the same way. So why don't we just take the pressure off ourselves to say, this birthday is going to be great. We don't have to have something. The memory is what we're taking away. It's not this little trinket. Yeah, so I've spent so much of my brain power (laughs) trying to figure this out. In years past, when my kids were younger, I asked everybody on the invitation, I said, instead of a gift for my child, please bring a wrapped children's book. And so then when everybody left, they took a wrapped book that they didn't bring. So everybody goes home with a new book. That was the gift. And then last year, I changed it up a bit. And I gave $5 gift certificates to our local ice cream parlor. And that worked really well. I love that. I think my cousin's son's first birthday, she did give little honey jars to everyone that came because the party was bee themed. I love the idea of the book exchange, if you will. I think that's great. I really just want conversations like this to encourage people that most of us are feeling the same exact way. For our our nature group mom's night, we did a gift exchange, but it had to be something either homemade or something from your home. But I thought that was kind of a fun way to at least exchange something. Most people did do homemade gifts, but I just thought that was a cool thing. So you could even write that on your birthday card for your kid. Like secondhand gifts are totally welcome. No judgment. I love that because my kids don't care if something's new or not. No, definitely not. (laughs) Do you have any other words of wisdom you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap this up? Yeah. As with anything in kids, right? If we want to instill in them a love of puzzles, pets, whatever it is, right? Whenever we're dealing with kids, I'm a former teacher. I believe we have to make it fun and engaging and child-led. Think about, you know, what lights your kids up and then run with it. So my six-year-old, she loves art. She's extremely creative. So for her, it's a child-led activity making artwork. So I have to plug this book. She got it for Christmas from her mother-in-law. It's called Art Making with MoMA, MoMA Museum of Modern Art. And each page gives you a different thing to make. And it's largely using stuff from your recycle bin. So that is like perfect for her. We sit on the floor. The other day, we used old Amazon boxes to create models of houses. And so a great conversation about repurposing boxes and making something amazing or using old wire and shaping it into faces like Alexander Calder. Child-led fun with a little bit of an extra twist and conversation with me. My other daughter, so a couple years ago, I decided to grow microgreens. And if anybody 
doesn't know what a microgreen is, it's like the second stage of a plant right after a sprout. You just stick the seeds on, <laughs> then they grow. And in five to 10 days, maybe even less, you have microgreens to sprinkle on your food. Salad, super healthy. And there was something about the growing of the microgreens that my older daughter, like her face just lit up. You could tell something about growing clicked with her. And so these days, it's maybe four or five years later, now we have a hydroponic garden indoors during the winter months. And it's largely my nine-year-old who's taking care of it. So I just say all that to make the point, like whatever your kids are interested in, let them lead the way, make it fun, make it engaging and add a little bit of a sustainability component to it. Yeah, no, I love that. And microgreens, they're pretty easy to take care of. So that would be a great thing for a kid to take over. Well, Stephanie, where can listeners connect with you online and find you if they want to connect? I am on social media at Sustainable Minimalists. And again, my podcast is called the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You can find it everywhere. Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I usually ask guests two questions, but I was just thinking I want to do just a few rapid fire of some of your favorite things. So what would you say your favorite sustainable clothing brand is for adults? Tentry. Tentry. Okay. I haven't heard of it. What has been one of your favorite books that you've read on sustainability? On the topic of clothes, The Conscious Closet is a really good one. So how to make your wardrobe more ethical and more intentional. Okay. Favorite sustainable makeup? I'll go with Burt's Bees. I wouldn't call it sustainable, but there's some less toxic ingredients inside. Okay. My last rapid fire question for you is what is the easiest change that someone could make? So I think that there are easy changes that we can make that actually don't change anything, like they don't do much. So a great example of that would be like bringing your cup to Starbucks. Like, yeah, it's a change. And yeah, it's not all that hard. But also the benefit to the planet isn't all that great either. So I'm going to take your question and I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And I'm going to say what is one easy-ish, but also profoundly impactful change that people could make. And I will say that for that, Eat a meat-free meal once a week. Just like one meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? I mean, I would prefer a dinner, like maybe a meatless Monday dinner. That is a great way to lower your carbon footprint. Cool. Well, Stephanie, thanks for joining me today. I love these little questions at the end, getting to know you better. So I appreciate you joining me and thanks for all the helpful information. Thanks for having me, Diane. It was fun as always. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.